Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Father, thank you for this group that you've assembled this morning. Father, we thank you that your spirit is here. We sense and feel the Holy Spirit present. Father, we honor you and we love you. We thank you for your word, that it is living and it is active and it is alive. And we rest in that word this morning. It is forever settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And Lord, I'm just reminded of Isaiah 55 and 11, that your word would not return void, but it would do what it was sent to do. It would prosper and accomplish in our life. We ask you for that this morning in Jesus' name. If you agree, would you just say amen? I'm going to bring you a message today. Uh, one-time special session entitled Navigating Change. Navigating Change. How many of you love the word change? Let me see your hand. Okay, one guy. How many of you are scared to death when, when you hear the word change? How many of you are routine people? And how many you know if your routine gets messed up, it can mess up your whole day, right? It can mess up your whole week. And, and so change, immediately when we think of change, we often think of, of negative. But how many know God can change us for the good? God can change us for the positive. How many of you had a way of life, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and God's Word, you have changed for the better? You've improved. Amen. I think everybody in the house. So change is something that we, we, we all deal with, and we all like the safe routines. And, and I found a passage in Scripture that really gives some tremendous leadership principles on navigating change. Because we're gonna, we're, as we go through life, things are going to change. The only thing constant is change, right? And so that's something we're going to dive in today and, and talk about. I want to read a lot of scriptures in Acts chapter 20. Let's turn over there, open up your Bibles. Now, I want you to take notes this morning. If you're, uh, some of, we're going to talk about some sensitive things in this series. I know occasionally some of you do Facebook Live. If you could just pause that today just for some sensitive things that we're going to talk about, but you can get the podcast, the recording, and so forth and so on. So let me set this up for you here. Paul had been at the church of Ephesus for about three and a half years. He had a tremendous ministry here, had been ministering to the people, and then things began to change. Things began to look different for the church at Ephesus. And Paul gives them some really incredible leadership principles to help them navigate through this. Now, are you okay to read a bunch of scriptures today? Can we read a lot of scriptures? Okay, so let's start out in verse 17, Acts 20 and verse 17, from Miletus. I mean, you're glad you don't live in that city. I would never get that right. From Miletus, Paul sent to the uh, Ephesus elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I've lived with you the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came to the providence of Asia. Verse 19. I serve the Lord with great humility. I love that. You know, when we serve God, we should serve the Lord with humility. You know, humility is dependency upon God. Humility is being dependent upon the Lord. It says, I served you in humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by my Jewish opponents. You know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. Paul's saying, I've been with you. I've taught you the word. I've, I've given you instruction. He said, I've served you with humility. I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful. I've taught you publicly and from house to house. How many of you wonder why we do H2H? Why we do house to house? Because of Acts 2020. I mean, you've got to have 2020 vision. Acts 2020, publicly and house to house. Just a little. See, everything we do, there's a, there's a method to the madness. Can I have an Amen. 
So Paul taught them publicly, taught them house to house. Verse 21, he said, I've declared to Jews and the Greeks, meaning he declared without discrimination. He declared without prejudice for rich or poor, white or black, Hispanic. It didn't matter, Jew, Greek. He preached to everybody in the house. He said, I've preached that you must turn to God and have faith in the Lord Jesus. Now he's in verse 22. So now he's leading them in some change. He said, I'm compelled by the Spirit that I must go to Jerusalem. I do not know what will happen to me there. He said, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships are facing me. How you know, Paul didn't know what was going to happen to him, but the Holy Spirit said, you're going to have prisons and hardships. But Paul said, send me anyway. I think that right there would have scared most people away. You know, sometimes God doesn't tell us things in our future because we would mess it up. We would chicken out. We wouldn't walk through that. Paul said, I can't tell you what's going to happen to me, except I can tell you one thing, prisons and chains and hardships. I mean, he didn't have a lot of volunteers to go with him on his missionary journey. Now, Paul stood up and said, who wants to go with me? And nobody probably raised their hand. They didn't, want to, you know, they didn't want to go into that. He said, I only know this, verse 24, however, consider my life worth nothing. We talked about this a few weeks ago. He said, I consider my life worth nothing to me, only that I would finish the race and complete the task that Jesus has given me. That ought to be everybody's aim in the whole room. That ought to be your life verse. My life means nothing to me unless I complete the task and I finish the race. Everybody in the room, you have a race to run. You have a task in the kingdom of God. He says, it's testifying of the good news of God's grace. Now, verse 25, he says, now I know that among whom I've been preaching to the kingdom, God will never see me again. He's dropping this on his church and he says, I'm going to die before you see me again. He knows what's coming. And, and later on, this is in Acts 20, we read, in, how many of you have read the book of Ephesians? Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus. It was about three or four years after this, after Paul left Ephesus, he wrote that letter to the church at Ephesus. But Paul's saying, I know my life is nearing an end. You'll never see me again. Look at verse 26. Therefore, I declare today that I'm innocent of the blood of any of you. He's kind of covering his bases. He's Now he gets into some leadership principles, how this body can deal with this change in their life. Look at verse 27. For I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. He says this now to the people. He says, keep watch over yourselves. There's one principle we're going to talk about. Keep watch over yourselves. In verse 28, he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of God, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds to the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. How many of the church is very important to Jesus? Jesus bought the church with his own blood. He takes it serious. Uh, uh, you know, walked through this process with our family a few years ago. We renovated a home, and, and thank God for that. And we put in new floors and new countertops and new cabinets. And, you know, I, I was never really, I didn't really care about floors or cabinets or anything like that. But, now, man, now that I paid for it and I put work into there and I put my own blood, sweat, and tears in there, I don't want my kids banging the doors. I don't want them rubbing up against it. Those cabinets are very special to me. But Jesus is saying the church is even more special. The church was bought with his own blood. Say this, say, I am precious. We are precious because we are bought with the blood of Jesus. So he says here in verse 29, uh, he says, I know that after I leave, savage woods, wolves will come in among you. So he's giving them some wisdom. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Verse 30, even from your own number, men will rise up and distort the truth. Here's another principle about change. We must lean in on truth. He says they'll distort the truth in order to draw disciples after them. So be on your guard. Somebody say, be on your guard. Be on your guard. 
He says, remember in verse 31, for three years I never stopped warning you, each of you night and day with tears. Now verse 32 says, now I commit to you and to God the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all the saints. Verse 33, I've not coveted anyone's gold or silver or clothing. Now he's just rehearsing his ministry time here with the folks. I've not coveted your wealth. I've not coveted your gold, your clothing. Verse 34, you know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and even the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of our Lord Jesus, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Verse 36 walks us through this. He says, when Paul finished speaking, he gave them some some channels to help navigate this change in their life. He said, when Paul finished speaking, he knelt down and he prayed with all of them. Now look at verse 37. Okay, is that it? It's just 36? No, 37 should be there. I'll read it. They wept and embraced him and kissed him. And that what grieved them most, verse 38, was a statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. So we can see here a major change in in their life and in Paul's life. So let me give you this morning four principles to navigate change. Four principles that will help you in your life navigate change. Number one, this is so powerful. Number one, you'll see this on the screen. Wait for it, wait for it. There we go. Two constants about change. Number one, God never changes. Number two, everything else does. Say that with me. Say, God never changes, but say everything else does. Let's take a look at some scriptures that support this thought. The only thing that doesn't change is God. God is good. God's goodness never changes. God's goodness and his love for you never changes. We live in a changing world. How many of you are over 50 or 60 years old and and brave enough to admit it? In the last 50 years, you've seen tremendous changes in our world. Tremendous changes. I've even seen changes in my world. Even my little phone that I had when I was 16, 17 years old, you could text on. And I remember when I figured out how to do the the multi-tap text, and I thought I was flying high. And, and I remember resisting getting a touchscreen phone. I remember everybody in my office had a touchscreen phone, and I said, no, give me my BlackBerry. Give me my CrackBerry. Y'all remember CrackBerry? Give me my BlackBerry. And I resisted that change. So we got to understand that God never changes. He said in Malachi 3.6, God said this about himself. He said, I am the Lord. I do not change. I am the Lord. I do not change. In the New Testament, Hebrews 13 and 8, we see this. Jesus says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even in a changing world, God never changes. We can put our faith and our hope and our trust in that principle that God never changes. He never leaves us, and he never changes his goodwill towards us. The second thing here is everything else changes. How many of you realize everything changes? How many of you mamas realize change is a part of your life? That's a joke because you change diapers all the time. Uh Uh, Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Tough crowd today. Look at Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. Way back in the very beginning of Genesis, we're talking about two constants of change. God never changes. Everything else does. God prepared us in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 8. In verse 22, he says, as long as the earth endures, as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. God's preparing us in advance that things are going to change. That's why the writer of Ecclesiastes said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. He said, there is a time for everything and a season for everything under heaven. We change ages. How many of you have ever had a birthday? We change jobs. 
Sometimes people in our life change. Sometimes situations change. Houses change. Financial situations change. Cars change. We live in an evolving and changing world. But we, can, we have two options here. We can either let change propel us towards God's plan, or we can let change derail us for the plan of God. How many of you know someone who went through change, not the change, but went through a change, and it derailed them from what God had planned in their life? We have a, we have a choice when we're faced with change, And it can either propel us toward God's calling in our life or we can allow it to derail us. Satan likes to take change and cause it to derail the plan of God for your life. But we're smarter than the enemy and we're not going to give in to his devices. Two constants about change. God never changes. Everything else does. Number two, here's the second principle about change. Remember, God has a master plan. This is so comforting to me in times of change in my life. Paul reminded the people at Ephesus. We see a leadership principle here that God reminded them that God has a master plan. How many know nothing surprises God? How many know it's kind of like when we confess our sins, that's not when God finds out about it. You know, he understands and knows before he, well, I don't want to confess my sins. I don't want God to know. He knows what you did before you confess. Confession is not so much for God as it is for you, aligning your mouth and your will toward the word of God. Notice this here, nothing surprises God. Paul is, is moving away from his church here that he loved, his people. There's going to be change in their life. And God had a master plan. Look at Acts 20, verse 27. I want you to see this from our passage that we just read. Acts chapter 20. In verse 27, he said, I've not hesitated to proclaim the whole will of God. The whole will of God. How many of you have ever built anything with blueprints? Uh, pastor Cavan, our founding pastor, had some blueprints in the background of when they were working on this building. And, and I saw those. And looking at those blueprints, I cannot tell what this is supposed to be. I can't read those. But how many know every building starts out with a blueprint? God has a master plan. And sometimes we see the foundation being built. Sometimes we see the, the, the walls going up. Sometimes we see the electrical going in. All these different components and pieces fit into the blueprint of God. Uh, God wants to reveal his future to us. Everybody remember Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. I've got a good plan for you. God has a master plan. Look at John 16, 13. Say this with me. Say, God wants me to know his master plan. It's not hidden. God wants to reveal things to us. It says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. This is a personal promise for me. It's a personal promise for Carrie. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you the things that are to come. Now, let me, let me dig in here just a minute because this is going to help everybody in the room. What is the difference in a map and a guide? This is going to help you so much. I could give Pastor Rick a map and help him navigate somewhere that he's never been before, and he would do okay. He's pretty smart. He's got a, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He, he would probably eventually find where he's going if he had a map, unless you're like me, and I can't even follow a GPS. I get lost with a GPS. It'll say, turn here, and I'm, I'm not paying attention, and I struggle even, even driving with a GPS. But now, if, if Pastor Rick's going on this expedition, and he's up in the Appalachian Mountains, and I give him a map, and it's turned by this tree and turned by this shack and go a quarter of a mile, and eventually Pastor Rick would get there. But if I sent a guide with him who had already been there, who knew the way, 
who knew all the pitfalls, who knew everything to look out for, who knew that over here's a steep cliff and over here's a, a waterfall, and who knew that if you take this little path here, there's a resting spot, you can see the best view. See, Pastor Rick wouldn't know any of those things if he just had a map. But when he has a guide, he has a guide who has already been there. The Word of God is our map. We need the Word of God. It is our map, but the Holy Spirit is our guide. He's already been there in your future. And if you will listen to him, he can help you navigate through change to get to your future. Amen. The Holy Spirit is our guide. Thank God for the map. We need a map. But the awesome thing about the Holy Spirit, He's already been there. He has already been in your future. He knows it's good. And if you will tap into the Holy Spirit and listen to Him, He will help direct you in that good path. How many of you have ever traveled internationally? I know Pastor Rick has, Clarks, many of you. There is nothing like going to an airport in another country that's in another language and you don't know anyone. Yeah. A few months ago, I had an opportunity to go with a brother to Columbia, and I was so excited. And I thought initially our flights weren't going to line up, and, and he gave me the option. He said, you can meet me here, and it's changing the flights, and it was a little more expensive. He said, or you can just meet me at the airport in Argentina. I said, I'll pay more, and I'll beat you at the airport. Because this brother had been to Argentina many times. I've never been to Argentina. You want me walking around? I can barely speak English. You want me walking around an airport trying to speak Spanish? And all I can say is baños and restaurante. So I can use the bathroom and eat, but I can't find anything else. But I was so comforted to know. I was so comforted to know that when I got there, he went first. He went first. And I followed him, and I was so confident because my guide had already been there. My God had been to the place I wanted to go, and he knew how to get me to that place. So we've got to understand that God is leading us to change for the better. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. The Holy Spirit's job is to guide us to this verse. We all know that with unveiled faces, it's revelation of Jesus. We contemplate the Lord's glory. We are changed. We are being transformed. I love this. It doesn't say I ever arrive. Ellie, I am being changed. I'm being transformed. It's not a one-time change. It's not a one-time transformation. I'm ever growing. I'm ever changing. I'm ever following God's plan for my life. I'm being changed and transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. Would you say that with me? With ever-increasing glory. When we allow God to help us navigate through change, bad situations, bad negative circumstances. If we give ourselves to the Lord and we tap into the guide, the Holy Spirit, God can take that change and lead us to a place of ever-increasing glory because it comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's the Spirit who guides us in all truth. So number one, God doesn't change, but everything else does. Number two, God has a master plan. Number three, a principle that Paul gave them is trust in the truth that you know. How many of you have ever had a really bad negative situation happen to you and it, it startled you, it, it shocked you, rocked you to the core? Maybe someone you loved passed very suddenly or maybe had a car accident or maybe your family lost their job and maybe they went through the foreclosure process and, you know, or maybe you had, maybe you got kicked out of this program or this school or something. Something happened to you. When we face these times, especially when it looks like a negative change, we have to dig in deep and trust in the truth that we know. That's why Paul said this. Look what Paul said next, 20 verse 30. This is back in our text. He says, even from your own number, men will rise up and distort what? The truth. 
Paul said, for three and a half years, I taught you the truth. I taught you the truth. You know what to do. It's on the inside of you. Let me say that again. You know what to do because the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you. Remember, he's your guide. So we've got to lean into, in times of change in my life, I have to lean into and tap into the truth that I already know. That's why he said down in verse 35, Acts 20. In verse 35, Paul went on to say this. He said, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remember the words of Jesus. Paul's saying, I'm not going to be here teaching you every week. Your life is changing, but you know the truth. You know what to do. Remember the words of what to do. That's why the Holy Spirit, through the author John, 3 John chapter 1 and verse 4, John said, I have no greater joy than to hear my children, say it with me, ready, are walking in truth. Say this to me, say, I know what to do. You know what wisdom of God is? The wisdom of God is the Holy Spirit on the inside of you teaching you what to do in every situation. You can tap into that. TC and Sam, you can know what to do in every situation. May not have an exact clear, you know, A, B, C, but you'll know what to do on the inside to how to position yourself to get that answer. So we must trust God's master plan. We must lean into the truth and the grace that we know, the grace that God loves us. Don't forget the truth that God has given you. Use the opportunities of change to draw you closer to the Lord and not separate you from God's plan. Number four, is this helping anybody today? This is so good. Number four, view change as an opportunity to grow and develop. We just talked about that. You know, Kerry has went through a lot of changes in his life. Some negative, he'll tell you he's got a tremendous testimony, but God is doing such a work in his life. He has chosen to let change move him towards the things of God, and you're a better man because of it. Can we love and encourage Kerry this morning? I'm telling you, I love this man's testimony. We have an opportunity to move forward or to shrink back. We have an opportunity to just become stagnant, shrink backwards. But God is always bringing new spiritual insight, new influence into our life, even in times of change. Look at Acts 20, verse 28. This is another principle out of this passage. Paul said, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of God, which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. Be shepherds of the church of God. He's saying, lean in and dig in and use change to grow. Allow new leaders to rise up and be developed. Verse 32, he says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up. Paul says, things are changing but you can be built up. Things are changing, but yet you can, you can have a living inheritance. Things are changing, but you're going to see new influences and growth in your life. We can navigate through seasons of change. Amen.